Welcome to episode 157 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss the possible return of the NRL season in May and so much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 157 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T, and joining me is Tish. Tish, we've had a long weekend, a long Easter weekend here in Australia, in well, around the world, I guess, but... Um, and. Uh, <laughs> And what do we come back to after a well-earned break from uh, COVID-related ISO, isolation, uh, to the news, the big news? What is the big news that's on your mind? The big news is that the World Health Organization has reopened our wet markets in Wuhan. Woohoo! Excellent. Well, oh, no, no. That is not what we were not not what I was thinking. It is, okay. Uh, okay. It is but but you know, look, good good on you for trying. Uh, at least you didn't mention a, a Donald Trump tweet. I think that's important. We've moved on. We've evolved <laughs> to more newsworthy things. But look, the biggest news that we're going to spend a bit of time talking about very soon, uh, and is. Uh, you know, just when we thought that, you know, we were worried that this, this uh, our, our kind of regular podcast series would, uh, you know, would wither in the vine, as it were, with no news, uh, because there's nothing happening in the world of rugby league. But I told you, Tish, I told you, rugby league is full of drama. We we <laughs> we have we almost have two podcasts worth of of things to discuss. Uh, even though we haven't spoken in two weeks about the regular happenings in the world of rugby league. But look, the big one, which we're going to, you know, let's just launch into it, why don't we? Let's launch into our six tackles. So here we go with tackle one, the big one. Take it away. Right. Look, the big the big news is uh, I feel like at the beginning of this we should have done uh, that return of the Mac song because it's oh, yeah. it was almost like there was an announcement this week yes. that the NRL was just strutting back into uh, the, the the fabric of society. You know, while everything else is shut down, we still haven't flattened the curve yet. We still haven't gotten over the, the worst of it. And here is the NRL saying, fellas, ladies, we'll be back Arnold Schwarzenegger style. I'll be back on May 28. They have set a date, would you believe? They haven't even just said wow. we're coming back, which is which is ballsy yeah. enough. They've actually said we're coming back at the end of May. That's less than two months away, Tish. We haven't even flattened the yes. curve yet. Is it statistically wow. possible for the NRL to come back? I, I don't know what to say. Tish, what is your first impressions of this announcement, a huge announcement? 
Well, the thing is, it was making headlines, so I had to watch. I had to watch the uh, Wayne Pierce, um, you know, who headed up the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen's Committee, or uh, what was that the name of the committee? I can't remember the name of the committee. Innovation Committee, Something and then he like came that, out yeah. in the steps, and he said, "The NRL has announced today that it will restart May twenty eighth." And then the first question was, "All right, so." Um, what will uh, so how would the game look like? Would you be playing to empty arenas? And he's like, we haven't worked out the details, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then basically the whole thing is the situation is fluid. We we don't know how it's going to work out, but uh, we have <laughs> made a date, and and they're like, oh, so you guys have talked to like uh, the federal government. You guys have talked to the state governments and the New Zealand government, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, all that stuff, we'll sort it out." You know, we're, we're all working out. Um, we just wanted to make sure the clubs have some certainty <laughs> in these uncertain times. You know? And I was like, "What is? Uh, what have they done? Like eight hours, and they've just come up with a date, uh, which is like fine, which is great news, sort of thing." Tish, Tish but, we um, we could have done that. <laughs> We could have just said, <laughs> we could have just said NRL. Uh, you know what? Just pick uh, June thirty. Yeah, well, why not pick the end of the financial year? Just, b- boys, yeah. just leave it until. Let's just start July one. Let's just do that. Why not just yeah. pick that date? It's just, it's unbelievable. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted your train of thought. Yeah, Go ahead. No, 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 but but exactly that. You're exactly right, Doctor T. Like, uh, we don't actually know what they actually discussed. Um, because I suppose the end result was was a date, and that was about it. It has been uh, – look, I think after that, uh, the debate has started. It really has uh, launched. And we've had um, chief medical officers of all the different states chime in. We've had the prime minister chime in. We've had, um, you know, some premiers for it, some premiers against it. Um, we've even had, like, deputy prime ministers – or, sorry, deputy, deputy premier uh, saying it's a good move while, you know, the premier doesn't want to say anything. So it, it's – you know, so many people talking about it. The AFL hasn't uh, said it. Well, I think they've set a date since then, which is a bit later. Um, but I think ultimately, I don't know if this makes rugby league look a little silly because it kind of feels a little premature, and I think a lot of people kind of have that. Look, I'm glad that they've got a very aggressive date. I'm, I'm glad that they're thinking about it. But I think they might have gone a little too early just because they start questioning, well, what's the motive behind it? And, you know, um, as much as as much as much the NRL uh, leadership want to say, hey, it's about, uh, you know, we obviously want to, uh, you know, take care of our clubs and things like that. Um, you know, people are starting to question whether this, is it safe for players at the moment? Is it safe for the general population to have uh, all these players uh, sort of playing, uh, you know, amongst each other at the moment? You know, what if there's an outbreak? So, yeah, very, very interesting announcement, and um, it's. I'm glad at least we got something, but uh, yeah, I'm not too sure if. Uh, yeah, I think setting it in June maybe might have been a little, little easier to take. What about yourself, Doctor T? Uh, look, I'm look. I'm first of all, I'm flabbergasted that they would even consider at this early stage a definite date at all, let alone one that's <laughs> so soon. I mean, yep. you, at this point, no one really knows what's happening. And so I don't think anyone is in a position to say, look, and they may be, look, they may be 
at the end of this, they may be total Nostradamuses. I don't know if there's a, if that's a plural, if that's a correct plural term, Nostradamuses, uh, Nostradamai. Uh, they may, yeah, who knows? Maybe by some miracle, our mm. the number of COVID cases will have, uh, you know, reduced. Maybe we will have flattened the curve. Maybe we'll, you know, a lot of some of the supply chains in society, uh, food supply chains and restaurants and things may be opened up by then. We don't know. It feels like a, a lifetime has happened in only a couple of weeks that, since since uh, the NRL announced that they were shutting down. You know, it feels like a lot has happened and a lot more can happen in six weeks or so from from now until the end of May. I just, I'm just flabbergasted that uh, that they were the first out of the blocks and it feels like mm. it feels like they just didn't really think it through. It doesn't doesn't really fill me with much confidence when, as you said, when asked about what are the details, they had no. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, and we may be wrong, they they had the no real clear explanation of how this was going to be done. Mm. Um, there were some rumours. So you know, last week I think I saw some articles which were suggesting a few things, but they were just. They were literally, I mean, one was literally an idea by, I think, Brian Fletcher, I think also, or someone, I don't know who it was, I was thinking, oh, that's interesting, why would, what's what's his role exactly in all of this, I don't understand, so there was some, one idea that they would, uh, they could house all of the, all of the NRL teams in uh, a hotel as that was part of the Panthers complex in Western Sydney, in Penrith, um, they could play out of I guess Panthers Stadium or something like that, but the idea was that they could isolate the whole NRL player community as one kind of isolated bubble. No one needs to go in or out. They could have all their food needs taken care of. They could train in their gym as per normal. The idea is that you'd be able to, you know, isolate as if you were a single kind of family. Um, and stay away from the general public. You know, that was an idea. That was a rumour. Initially, when I heard it, I thought that's ridiculous. You know, how would you make it work? Once you scratch the surface of these harebrained ideas, you kind of think, well, there's probably needs a little bit more thinking. What about what about the families? Uh, are you going to cater for the families of all the players? I mean, that's, you know, what about people aren't, are the, are the, the players aren't not going to see their kids, the ones that have kids? I mean, that's that's kind of ridiculous you know like really just for a game you're gonna you're gonna remove players from their families you're gonna you know like it's just really i don't know if they've really thought through some of these ideas and then they come out and say and this was last week where some of these ideas were touted in the press and then we hear this week that the you know may 28th a definitive date uh they've they've announced and i think well again uh you know how are you going to make that work now there is potentially there are ways that you could make it work again if you isolate everyone in a a hotel or somewhere where no one gets in no one comes out um families included catering everything is prepared and and it's all dealt with you know you know the proper way to avoid contact and all this sort of stuff, you possibly could minimize the risk, but then you think, well, but you'd have to be sure that all people, all family members of all players and coaches and anyone else that's deemed essential at this point 
are, um, you know, uh, there's a period of, I guess there's a period of transitioning from normal world to this bubble that they're going to be doing in order to get the games off the ground, in which case you think, well, uh, you know, what's the transition going to be like? Are we going to have them all, you know, what if one person goes in with the virus and then spreads it to everyone in that first two weeks? Do you know what I mean? Like, have they really thought this through? Um, you know, so mm. there's a lot to be said. Maybe the transition needs to happen before May 28. Maybe you need them to be uh, all in that bubble for three weeks to make sure that anyone with the virus passes through them and and uh, and they get treatment as required or, or not. You know, that way you feel like, okay, we're pretty confident that it, if something were to happen, it would have happened by now and it hasn't. Therefore, it's safe to play. You know, that would be the only way that this could work if they actually planned it, you know, almost to the letter like that. And I have not heard a thing like that in the media. Yeah. And so that it kind of makes me wonder that, again, this is one of those harebrained ideas and, and where, where, you know, it's fanciful thinking but not really thought through <clears throat> very well. And, look, you've got to say something for the fact that when Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister of Australia, says, oh, that's not a good look, that the NRL has uh, has, uh, has announced that date so soon uh, before we've even gotten control over this uh, this virus in the public. Um, it That says something about... Look, it's, to be honest, and I'm going to not beat around the bush and make jokes about it, it says a lot about the level of competency of the leadership of the ARL and NRL. Um, and I think we're not the only ones thinking that. I think a lot of other people are going, mm. uh, what on earth are you guys doing? And, and people are thinking it says a lot about how incompetent they are, um, or at least, I mean, you know, it, it certainly gives the impression to people who are casual uh, fans of the game uh, that, uh, you know, there's that the, the leadership is not all there. Uh, even though, like, you know, we know that, that they've done some fantastic things and they do do some great work for the community, but this kind of decision, it really does not, nothing for your uh, your marketing <laughs> value. Um, so, so, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so what, what about you? What are your thoughts on... Uh, is the date too soon? What are your final thoughts on that? Well, digging deeper, yeah, I think the date is a bit too soon. I, I heard... Something about just with how the quarantine situation is, um, the New Zealand Warriors I think have to fly out um, Monday week, right, to be here on time um, for that wow. start date. So, uh, or maybe like you know, yeah. So, so in other words, well, they could always catch a cruise. They could always go on the Ruby Princess, isn't they? <laughs> Ruby Princess, yeah, they. I suppose they could, but look, it, that's the that's the situation that, it is. that that's how soon it's going to be. I think it was seven weeks from last week, so it's probably about six weeks now. So it, it is it is a while away, and you've got to wonder, you know, May twenty eighth. What's so significant about May twenty eighth? And digging a little deeper, what I've discovered um, is that the NRL should be so lucky, 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 lucky. The NRL should be so lucky, 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 lucky. Yes, that's right. You heard it first on the Rugby League Republic. Kylie Minogue's birthday, May 28th. So there you go. If you want to know what was going on in the back room, the back room deal to make this happen, 
I think uh, I think you've got the new NRL uh, theme for twenty twenty one. I think it's already been signed, and uh, and maybe that's what's happened. Um, look, other notable things that happened on May twenty eighth um, in two thousand and thirteen, South Korea suspended its operations of two nuclear reactors in a uh, twenty. Um, in, in the year, uh, sorry, let's uh, let's find something. That's, uh, yeah, in two thousand and three, George W. Uh, Bush signed a three hundred fifty billion dollar tax cut package, which uh, kind of uh, went backwards five years later. Right. <laughs> uh, in nineteen ninety one, the Ethiopian Revolution occurred on May twenty eighth. Maybe maybe that was the inspiration for this date. No, um, like, I yeah. think I think it's more likely that it's Kylie Minogue's birthday. To be honest. Uh, as you say, that's a, that's a more likely explanation. But and look, maybe maybe they're doing it like you said. Maybe uh, maybe that's a foreshadowing the NRL Grand Final Entertainment. Uh, maybe maybe there's something brewing in uh, in maybe they maybe they're going to relaunch the season. Uh, you know, the advertising campaign to be more Kylie centric as opposed to that the TV ad with the girl who wants to be Cam Smith, you know. Uh, mm. Maybe they've decided to listen to the fans who, who you know, if there's nothing else that rugby league fans want to hear, it's Kylie Minogue music. Uh, yes. You know, so the, it's ACDC number one and number two, Kylie Minogue. That's that's the order it goes for mm. rugby league fans. And I think, uh, yeah, look, you may be onto something, but uh, look, your that explanation, as crazy as it is, is as as sane as any other that I've seen in the media about about why they would come up with that date that's so soon when we have no one even near thinking about loosening the restrictions in, you know, social, physical distancing that we've got in society. It's just, it's preposterous that this has happened. A uh, bit of an embarrassment, got to say. Um, but it certainly, it certainly, look, if we're, if I'm going to, if I'm going to do a good segue, Tish, to tackle number two, it certainly kind of emphasises and lends support to uh, to some people who have questioned the NRL leadership. So shall we move to tackle two on uh, on that note? Okay, I'm getting on to my luck emotion to tackle two. <laughs> ring ring that bell, not as Kylie Minogue as what's that other Melissa to Couch? Remember that one? Anyway, um, all right. Channel 9 questions the NRL. So I was uh, mentioning that, look, we're, we're questioning, and some people are questioning the media, the you know the, the leadership uh, competencies of the NRL. And so last week, one, one of the very, one of the most extraordinary things that I've seen, uh, you know, as much drama-filled uh, rugby league uh, media stories that we've seen over the years, uh, the Channel 9 leadership has released an extraordinary statement which basically blasted the NRL for having a bloated head office, quote, uh, and of squandering millions of dollars and excluding the broadcaster from discussions about what the season will look like as it tries to resume amid the coronavirus crisis. So, you know, while the NRL has said, look, we're coming back on May 28th, I think Channel 9 was saying, um, have you spoken to us about this? <laughs> you know, uh, why didn't you ask us about this? Or you know, uh, and look, that um, basically some people that has led some people 
to you know including well daily telegraph writer phil rothfield and and rugby league journalists that who basically came out and said look channel nine is out of line for uh you know for for saying those things um and he also criticized which isn't a new thing criticized phil gould uh who also decided to to you know jump on the bandwagon and take a swipe at the nrl uh, to be fair, as he normally does. I mean, that's a normal, a normal mm. week in uh, in Phil Gould kind of uh, commentating mm. on Channel Nine is to say something about the uh, the inadequacies of the leadership. And so, yeah, Tish, what are your thoughts about first of all, um, what were your what was your initial reaction when you heard about the brutally honest kind of swiping at the NRL leadership? But also, do you agree with it ultimately? Well, uh, as I mean, my first reaction is probably my initial reaction was uh, well, um, I think if the NRL isn't listening to its fans, maybe we'll listen to its broadcasters because I do feel that there is a lot of questions to be answered about. You know, we've heard about these large sums of money, and now we're hearing that we can't survive a season without uh, without any games. So that kind of you know. It does, you know, we do question in our minds that, hey, you know, uh, we're all we're all obviously, you know, fans of the game, putting our money into the game. We could be putting our money into something else. Um, uh, but we do this because we love the game. But then at the same time, the NRL should be using that money to actually build the game. And it doesn't feel like they're always doing that. And the fact that there's millions of dollars that, you know, should be there but isn't there and, you know, they have no sort of, um, you know, backup plan, uh, you know, no, no no sort of savings kind of really, you know, really questions it. And, you know, obviously NRL fans, journalists have been uh, questioning it. But then for your major broadcaster to come out and actually say something, I mean, that's a big blow. Um, Channel 9 is obviously the, the company that paid these millions of dollars to the NRL. And now I'm wondering, you know, where is the NRL in this time of need that, you know, we've gave you all this money and, and what have you done with it. So I think they were right to question it. Whether they should make a public statement about it during these times, I don't know if that's necessarily the good thing for a long-term relationship because as a, as a sport, from the NRL's point of view, you want to have a, uh, a broadcaster that has your back. And I do feel that this is almost a negotiation tactic on Channel 9 to almost um, – you know, almost uh, sort of, you know, the next time the negotiation comes around, uh, you know, or the negotiation to what's going to happen to the rest of the season, you know, the NRL wants to have that, uh, sorry, Channel 9 wants to have that position of power over uh, the NRL and say, hey, you know, uh, we don't necessarily um, want to pay the millions and millions of dollars we previously paid for the game. We want to get a better deal. And maybe this is a a bit of a tactic to try and get that. what I do know uh, is that I did see a report about how uh, badly the uh, you know the, the the stocks for Channel Nine have fallen over this period, and I also wonder whether that's also uh, that's also playing in a, an effect. Um, and then you've got this, uh, and then you've got uh, you know Rothfield and Phil Gould and uh, you know turning this issue into almost a personal argument between themselves. Which I don't think is necessarily necessary here, really. I mean, um, at the end of the game, at the end of the day, I, I know 
they're probably on either side of the argument. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, this is for you know about the good of the game and the money of the game. Um, the most interesting thing I found about this is that the other broadcast partner, Fox Sports, um, you know, they're losing subscribers at the moment. So it's in their best interest to try and get the NRL into uh, playing mode as soon as possible. Whereas I think with Channel 9, I think the fact that they were spending lots of money in rugby league, they don't necessarily have to spend this money this year. Perhaps they're not as keen as getting the competition running as much as Fox Sports are. And I think ultimately it's it's a silent war that's kind of happening between the two broadcasters here at the moment. And I think the NRL is kind of caught in the middle trying to please two masters that are in competition with each other. And that doesn't put the NRL in a, in a very good position right there. So uh, maybe a bit more foresight <laughs> next time they go on a deal and think, let's get a deal that actually has the two broadcasters working together rather than working against us a little bit. Yeah, look, I uh, look, I I'm not so sure that the broadcasters are against each other. I think uh, I think you sort of you 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 hinted at something which I want to sort of take up on as the real I guess the real underlying reason why this is happening, which is that they're basically trying to undermine. Uh, it's it's not so much undermine the NRL uh, leadership. I think they're just trying to pressure them to get back to playing as soon yes. as possible. And I think yeah. and I think without ha- actually saying that, what they've said is, uh, look, you know, you guys were supposed to have all these millions of dollars that we've given you over the years. What have you done with it? You know, essentially, you know, they're saying you guys are useless. You've mismanaged the funds. Uh, you know, where is the money going? So, again, the focus there is... I know the the media looks at the focus of it being uh, it's a shot at the leadership, and it may well be, but more to the point, it's a shot at you know it's more like saying we've given you this money and you've not done anything with it, and then along with that, I think the bit that also gets forgotten is that alongside the you know you've you've squandered the millions that we've given you is the other part of that message in the statement, which was about. Uh, you know, basically, we we're not gonna we're not gonna take this anymore, and we're not gonna necessarily uh, you know give you as much money as we have in the past. So that was there. It was almost like an ultimatum. It was like a threat, saying, "Look, we disagree with how you've squandered the millions, and we may not even give it, give you these this much again. So do something, NRL." That's basically the way I saw it. It was a call to arms. Uh, at the same time as as it was a, a you know a, a statement of we don't have any faith that you you're able to get this done, and so I think that's why it directly led to the ridiculous you know uh, premature you know reinst- return date of the NRL. I think those two things go hand in hand. But look, if mm. I think one thing that that is uh, you know we can't necessarily think. Uh, that and this is my way of returning serve against Channel Nine and the media companies. We can't necessarily think that these guys are all business geniuses because they're not. Um, and here's an example of where I think the logic falls apart. Here, now, if you're trying to undervalue the NRL so that next time around your bargaining power is a bit higher 
when when you go to sit down at the at the at the negotiation table for the next broadcast deal um you know think about what you've done you've actually just undermined the NRL leadership and and said look pretty much they you know they're incompetent we don't know what they've done with the money they're useless um okay let's play that out let's just say the NRL looks at this or the ARL commissioners look at this and say yeah, you know what? You're right. We do actually, uh, we have been incompetent. Uh, let's get the best business minds in the world now and let's recruit someone uh, who's got really good uh, negotiating skills, someone external, maybe from international, internationally, uh, to come in and fix it for us. So then what happens next? The NRL recruits, you know, the best, uh, you know, the, the hardest business administrators in the world to come in, maybe not just one, but maybe one who brings in his 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 or her group of uh, um, you know of offsiders to come in and uh, sort the ship out and steady the ship back on track uh, for the NRL. And and then what happens? Well, they're going to now enter a negotiation with Channel Nine and Foxtel for the next broadcasting rights with uh, basically much better business administrators than what they would have had now uh, had they not sort of called them out and said that they're incompetent. So so really, because if you think about it, uh, they can't possibly blame the NRL for what happened. It's a pandemic. It shut down lots of industries. They've already paid the money. They're trying to recoup the money by saying live TV, live sport is what gets us higher ad revenue which is exactly where they're getting the money from. High ad revenue, cross-promotion of other programs. It's all like an ecosystem that they require to work. And what happens when you pull the plug on the inputs into that ecosystem is that everything falls apart. And so to me, it's it's not necessarily a smart move to say for, for Channel 9 or Foxtel for that matter to say that the NRL has been incompetent and that their leadership is terrible because what will happen is uh, what could happen is that they're going to get better leadership, which are then going to be tougher to uh, to get leverage over when when you're negotiating with them next. So, so to me, the logic doesn't hold up. And I think the only explanation I can see is that they've they've thought about the short term gain, which is they need to pressure the NRL to restart as soon as possible. And I think that's what that's what this is all about. And uh, and so yeah, looks like they got their way because uh, you know here is the NRL putting their foot out, putting their neck out. Uh, a lot of people disagree totally with the decision, but I think it's all been driven in the background by the pressure from Channel Nine and Foxtel. So uh, anyway, that's my view. Shall we move on to, or do you have a final final thought on that before we move on? No, let's move on. I think tackle number three. All right, so while we're talking about the, uh, you know, restart of the competition in May, uh, some have gone further and and, uh, and talked about some quite specific things around what are we going to do with uh, the points that have been accumulated in the first two rounds. So Sydney Roosters boss Nick Politis has raised eyebrows when he reignited the debate over whether points should be scrapped when the competition restarts. Politis argued that all results should be wiped ahead of the planned May 28 resumption to ensure the integrity of the game, saying it had nothing to do with the two-time defending Premier 0-2 season start. 
Yeah, sure. <laughs> but look, uh, you know, anything to undermine the fact that the Parramatta Eels are on top of the table. Uh, disgraceful there from Nick Politis. But no, look, um, there are others as well who've, who've sort of echoed that. I think uh, Warriors and Cronulla, who, surprise, surprise, also on zero <laughs> wins after two weeks, uh, have also said the same thing. But then... But then there are others like the Titans chief executive, Dennis Watt, who actually said, no, the results should stand. Uh, all teams worked hard for those results and they should be part of the 2020 season. And I agree with that. Tish, what are your views about this suggestion that we uh, start from scratch? Well, Dr. T, uh, I don't even understand why this is even an issue. Um, <laughs> because doesn't it make sense? You play for those those rounds with legitimate rounds after time, <laughs> so they have to stay legitimate. You know that's what what it is. It's you played those games. Everybody knew what was on the line when they played those points. Uh, the Roosters, when they went out and played, they certainly knew, um, believed that they were going to get points for it. Um, so I think it has to be. You can't, you know, as uh, you can't uh, as, you can't go back and uh, change the rules. When they don't fit you, and I think that's what um, this is about. Um, I think the arguments have been about oh, what is the most fairest way to sort of determine the competition this year. Should there be an asterisk next to the name of the of the premiers and everything? So I think at the end of the day, um, as long as we get, uh, I think if each team gets to play each other at least once, uh, then I think you've got a fit. That's probably the fairest competition you can have and at the moment the competition is actually unfair because you can't play half the game half the teams twice so um maybe we might even have the most fairest competition out of the lot uh if we do include those two rounds so that's what i think and uh you know i, I did see and uh, somebody else and i kind of agreed with them i kind of remember his name but he talked about how well if you're going to take away the competition points do you take away the suspensions as well do you take away um do you uh, re- reimburse all the all the fans the money that you know they spent on round one going to the games. Do you you know do you ask for your money back for the ground hire? <laughs> you know if you're gonna wipe out the competition points, then you need to wipe out everything else. And uh, you know it's it, it's it, yeah, it's true. It's uh, unfortunately Nick uh, Pelos. This is not Men in Black where you just uh, you know stun everybody. <laughs> and you know everybody forgets what happened. No, I, th- I think this is going to be it. And um, you know maybe if we don't get any more games, maybe they should just declare Parramatta as the uh, premiers. What do you think about that, Doctor T? Oh look, I've been saying that all along, Tish. Uh, totally agree with you, hundred <laughs> percent. No, uh, look, <laughs> yeah, look, uh, it's just ridiculous. You're right. It's ridiculous that this is even an even an issue. It, it's uh, look, if you think about it, yes, they would have. We we would have paused the game for several weeks, uh, or months actually, uh, if we actually do return on May twenty eight. Uh, but you know, it's it's look. Think about the disruption to and the unfairness of what happens during State of Origin season as well, where you've mm. got multiple missed weekends of games, uh, split rounds. Uh, teams not really playing at full strength. You know, to me, it's like, well, that's even more unfair to include those rounds as part of the, the season uh, the season tally as opposed to what happened in the first two rounds this year where, you know, 
you at least had fans going to the games. You know what? How do how would you justify uh, restarting the comp in front of no fans, which is what's going to happen if they do go ahead? Uh, empty stadiums, uh, teams playing against each other, and and admittedly it was only round one where you had fans, and round two you didn't. But um, you know, how do you compare those those games played in front of no one versus those where you get an advantage if you have a home ground advantage with with your fans supporting you? I mean, it's it's a totally different scenario, um, and so realistically. It is an unusual situation. It is not business as usual. Um, mm-hmm. And I think in that environment, you've got some of the more cleverer, or at least they think they're clever, business administrators in the game, such as Nick Politis, thinking that when it's not business as usual, here is the opportunity to come in with uh, a, an idea or a proposal that will benefit my team, which is exactly what he's tried to do. Um, you know, and, and to be honest, no matter what happens this year, there will always be an asterisk next to the winner of uh, of whatever competition we end up playing this year because it will not be considered a normal competition that uh, that that teams have prepared for. The rhythm is completely different. You know, the fact we've mm. got a break in between, we've got all this, uh, you know, strange scenario, potential for illness, you know, happening, all that kind of stuff. This is absolutely not normal. And so to me, this is an opportunity to, if we are going to do that, let's scrap the first two rounds. I think what we need to do is have a totally different competition set up. Uh, and it needs to be almost like an exhibition kind of year. We need to draw a line under 2020 and say, guys, we're not going to get this back. This year is never going to mm-hmm. be the same. Uh, you know, teams would not have prepared for this year the the you know the the winner of the year will not be uh, seen in the same way in terms of the you know the kudos that you get for for lasting a very very long season with state of origin in the middle and all this sort of stuff. There's there's a prize at the end when you win a premiership and it's it's that you've outlasted everyone, you've managed your injuries well, you've done all this stuff, um, you've managed the ebbs and flows of state of origin in the middle, all this sort of stuff. This is simply not the case this year. So maybe there is a case to be made for let's just completely scrap the idea of what we're going to do and it's not back to normal. Let's just completely do a totally different setup, which is what what we spoke about from uh, that first week when we found out that the NRL was shutting down. We said, look, maybe maybe there is – this is going to take months before this thing really, uh, uh, you know, gets back to normal and and – why not take the opportunity to do something completely different given that the uh the season is a write-off anyway <laughs> it's not like, like i said not a, as normal so um but yeah well look let's uh let's move on to tackle number four uh and uh we're going to talk about yes the what the queensland clubs are thinking so here we go tackle number four so we did talk about the uh the possibility of an isolated kind of bubble where all the teams are playing in one area, uh, in, in you know, and they're all. What it needs though is uh, for teams from uh, non-New South Wales areas to actually also be on board with this. And one of the areas that's been hardest hit this year in Australia is Queensland, and Queensland actually has a pretty tough border policy at the moment. They've pretty much shut the border of 
for people traveling between Queensland and New South Wales. Uh, and and a, there's a, a, a one of the rules is that if uh, people go back to Queensland from New South Wales, that they uh, have to kind of automatically self-quarantine for 14 days every time they return. So uh, it's going to be a tough situation, but the NRL teams that are affected in Queensland, that's the Broncos and the Titans uh, and the Cowboys, but in particular the Broncos and the Titans have indicated that they are actually willing to relocate their teams to New South Wales uh, to enable a restart of the competition. So I don't know whether that means relocating to Sydney or just relocating, you know, close to the Queensland border. Uh, I'm assuming it means relocating uh, to Sydney. Uh, but, yeah, there's definitely some support there. So, Tish, what are you thinking about the Queensland clubs saying, look, they're happy to do whatever it takes to make sure that the competition restarts uh, and uh, and that means potentially relocating their entire teams to New South Wales to facilitate that uh, that kind of isolated uh, bubble where all teams are playing in one area and living in one area. What are your thoughts on that with uh, what the Queenslanders are proposing? Well, I think it shows that the Queensland clubs are willing to do whatever it takes to get the competition running, uh, that their team players, they're on board with whatever the NRL is trying to achieve. Um, so, And obviously it's very important to them to start uh, to get regular league back up and running. I mean, the reality is the Queensland teams don't have, I mean, they have a, a, a quite a strong, um, you know, advantage when teams go up to Queensland to play for them, uh, play against them, because they usually get good crowds. Well, two of the teams get fantastic crowds and have a real supporter base. And it's almost like an extra person on the field for them uh, when they're playing in their home ground. They're not going to have that advantage anyway because the fans aren't going to be there this time so it is um so it, do, it does make sense um you know the other the other thing that i did here you know obviously there's speculation about how it, this is all going to run which we don't have any details they did talk about p- potentially doing the two conference system um as well and actually having a conference in queensland but i don't think the queensland premier is going to allow that so maybe that's where both the conferences will probably have to be in New South Wales. So basically all the clubs will need to come to New South Wales and and play together. Um, the interesting thing about that conference idea was that St. George Illawarra would be part of the non-Sydney clubs uh, portion of the draw, which would make eight teams, Sydney teams and eight non-Sydney teams. And uh, it's very interesting where St. George Illawarra was nominated the team. It does make sense because of the Illawarra connection, but St. George no longer being a Sydney club, I, I don't know how Dragon supporters would feel about that. Yeah, like I think I think that's fair enough, though, because it is supposed to represent the Illawarra, which is not <laughs> is not technically Sydney, but, yeah, as, as we said, we've said in the past that the the reason why that, that joint venture, you know, between St. George and Illawarra was, I guess, a... a perfect match so to speak was that uh you know there was a time when uh the 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 saint george area of uh you know the cogra area of sydney those southern suburbs was actually known as uh illawarra suburbs and so you know it kind of uh that, that's a bit of historical kind of uh trivia there but um there is something to be said about the fact that there's a continuous spread geographically of 
of that that team's coverage of of basically the south of Sydney all the way to the Illawarra, and uh, yeah. with the exception of obviously Cronulla there as a Sutherland Shire, uh, kind of in the middle of that. Um, but but yeah, so I think uh, counting St George Illawarra as a regional team, much like Newcastle, I think is very important because it you know it, it sort of speaks to the the double history of the great St George team, but also the fact that its future really does rely on, uh, you know, on the Illawarra, uh, you know, the success of the Illawarra, and I think it makes sense that way. But anyway, um, forget about that. I think the the broader point is that, yeah, if the conference system were to go ahead, that definitely is one way you could uh, uh, could have it, so that instead of having the one bubble, you have two bubbles. Uh, I guess the difference there is that what you'd have these conferences playing each other, uh, but then what are they going to, are the champions going to meet at the end of some sort or in some way, you know, this is a problem that if you're going to go to the effort of isolating entire teams, then instead of just the eight teams, why not just isolate all of them? <laughs> you, you, you may as well, cause you go into the same effort to shore up an entire hotel, you know, do whatever needs to be done just as you would, you know, for eight teams, you may as well just scale it to sixteen and say let let's get everyone everyone on board, and that way, uh, you know, again, if if that is considered the way to go forward, and I'm not sure it really is. I'm not sure that the NRL has really made a strong case for that, um, but it seems to be the only thing that's really been discussed in the media, is it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I suppose. This is what happens when you don't give any details and you don't know what you're actually going to be doing. You're going to have speculation. You're going to have left field ideas, right field ideas. But you know what will happen is that you'll probably get one or two ideas that people will fall in love with, but you won't go with. And then it's just (laughs) going to annoy them even more. (laughs) It's going to annoy them even more. It probably leads to disappointment. So, um, So I think that's kind of the situation that we that we find ourselves here with. So, um, yeah, so, very, yeah. very interesting. But, um, look, uh, it's good on the, the Queensland clubs are making that announcement. Um, and, yeah, hopefully this is another step in getting the competition back up and running. That's right. And uh, you mentioned something which is a perfect segue to the next tackle, which is about, uh, you know, this is what happens when there's a lack of details. That uh, There's a lot of speculation. So here we're going to speculate some more. So here's tackle number five. So look, there is some speculation in the Sydney Morning Herald that the NRL is considering untaking, undertaking an unprecedented, is that word again, raid on players from dormant competitions around the world. So the NRL is considering signing a signing spree of international stars, basically. The report states that at least one club uh, will inquire about Israel Folau for the 2020 season and other players such as Sonny Bill Williams, Quade Cooper and All Black star Adi Sevilla are also on the NRL's radar. Tish, uh, maybe this is our chance to speculate a little bit. Let's just say this is true, that the NRL yeah. is, is uh, going to open the checkbook, of which we already know it doesn't really have um, much <laughs> money. But let's just let's just say that we thought, well... Let the NRL be one, the first professional competition in the world to to launch back in. Uh, and given that we we haven't thankfully been hit that hard here in Australia with the the pandemic as other countries unfortunately have been, uh, 
maybe it does make sense that our professional sports are the first to get back online and do what they were doing before uh, the pandemic crisis. So I guess the question is, Tish, if we were to open up the NRL's checkbook to players who are playing, waiting to play and aren't able to play from other countries, uh, who would you pick and where do you think, who will be the top players that you should be looking for and signing and uh, where do you think they should go, assuming that you could uh, dictate which team they could slot right into? Look, very, very good questions there, Dr. T. I'm glad you asked. So, look, um, as well as the players that always ha- have already been announced, uh, in terms of where I'd like to speculate, well, I think I think the Cronulla Sharks have had a hard time goal kicking. So I think they need to have a sharpshooter for their kicking. So I think we could probably put Cristiano Ronaldo in as the sharpshooter for the Cronulla Sharks. Imagine that. Ronaldo, and I think they've even got a Ronaldo in their team as well. So you'll have two Ronaldos uh, in the team, which would be phenomenal. Um, The West Tigers also lost very badly to... uh, well, to the Raiders, and they were basically outplayed by the fact that they didn't have, you know, their their wingers were not as tall and couldn't really jump. So I think we need to get a good jumper in. I'm thinking LeBron James for the West Tigers. Um, they're probably my two favourites that I think would definitely fit the NRL uh, there. Dr. T, do you have some options for some clubs there? Uh, look, I... I mean, I thought we were going to take this seriously, Tish, but like maybe you are. <laughs> but if you are, if you are picking Ronaldo to, uh, sorry, which team did you say Ronaldo might go for? The Sharks. The Sharks. Remember they, lost, they lost so many games last year, even though they scored more tries. So I think goal kicking is a bit of an issue. Fair enough. Uh, look, if you're bringing Ronaldo in, I think I'm going to have to bring Messi in, and uh, and I wow. think Messi, look. You know, who does he remind you of uh, as a player? Uh, to me, to me, he, like, who's that, sorry? Maradona. No, 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 as a rugby league player. <laughs> let, who, As a oh. rugby league player, let's just say from the past, there's a player that okay. when, when I see, I'll give you three guesses. When I see Messi, yeah. I think of a particular particular player. He just reminds me of, uh, I'll, I'll let you have three guesses to see if okay. you can catch my wavelength. He could be the identical twin of Nathan Hindmarsh. Is that what you're thinking? No, no, but that's that is a good one. Although Nathan Hindmarsh is, I mean, are you thinking that they're going to remake that movie, the the DeVito and Schwarzenegger movie, Twins? <laughs> because because I think that would be perfect. I didn't even think of that, but no, no, that's not what I'm thinking. Uh, that's one guess. So I'll give you another couple of guesses. Which which uh, okay. player from yesteryear? Uh, let's okay. just say a long time ago. Let's just go even a generation further back than Nathan Heimarsh. Okay, if I go a generation further back than Nathan, I'm thinking of an immortal here. What about Andrew Johns? That's very interesting. Though I look, it did cross my mind. I was thinking he's yeah. got that Newcastle Knights look to him. Uh, mm. Definitely. Look, I'll give you points for that. But there was another player I was thinking who I thought would definitely, to me, uh, be remind me of uh, of Leo Messi. Uh, 
Do you want to have one last go? And let's just say a further generation back than mm. Andrew Johns. Well, what I can think of is that uh, this particular player is renowned for um, hitting the <laughs> – we talked about it last week – hitting the uh, the upright with that, with that, the, um, <laughs> <laughs> the crossbar. <laughs> and, and he kind of looks a bit like uh, Messi as well. I'd say Benny Elias. Again, very close. <laughs> Not exactly what I was thinking, but I, I like what you're, where you're going with that. I actually was thinking someone a bit more rustic. And, and you know what? You are very, very close. You are like a year or two away from where I was thinking. I was thinking about Penrith Panthers hooker Roycey Simmons. Oh, yes. Roycey Simmons. Roycey yes. Simmons, if you look at Messi the way he runs, I I, def- <laughs> I defy you to not to not conjure up those images of that great run in a 91 grand final where Roycey Simmons uh runs off a uh, off that Mark Geyer catch from a field goal dropout uh uh, you know, uh, in goal dropout and uh, storms onto the ball to win, uh, you know, to get that final try to seal the deal for the Panthers against the Raiders in 91. Uh, I I defy you to look at that and not think that guy looks like Leonardo Messi, Le- what, Lionel Messi. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. So to me, uh, although you, I must admit your second and third choices there were very, very close uh, and and I think would he would look very good in Tigers colours and uh, and and Knights colours. But I'm thinking I'm thinking he's got Panthers all over him. So I'm thinking Leo Messi yeah. for the Panthers. But look, let's get back to some of our rugby league stars because uh, you know let's just say NRL opens a checkbook. You know Sonny Bill. Let's just say we throw our the checkbook at him as seems to happen every few years. Uh, which team does he go into? Sonny Bill. Yeah. Uh, well, he's probably going to go to the Roosters, right? He loves <laughs> it there. But, but look, uh, I'm trying to think of a team that kind of needs a bit of a bit of brute force forward, you know, a bit of a bit of a utility. Uh, you know, uh, maybe St George. You know, they kind oh, of yeah. lost. Uh, you know, they kind of are missing a little bit with their forward pack a little bit. So I'd say, I'd say St. George would be a good club for for uh, for Sonny Bill. That's very good. You know, um, definitely not the Roosters. I think it's fair to say we, that's kind of not fair that he goes back to the Roosters. But, uh, and like, who who else would you pick? Like, out of all the other players that are available uh, in rugby league, I'm talking about, um, you know, who else would the NRL consider as... Uh, you know, worthy of bringing back. Would you bring back Israel Folau, for instance? <laughs> well, Israel Folau is going to be difficult. Um, I think he was. I think he was a long shot for twenty twenty one, and I think for twenty twenty, I definitely think he's a long shot. Probably a club that would uh, benefit from him would probably be the Bulldogs. Um, oh right, yeah, yeah, because they handled controversy well. Um, and this is a different type of controversy, which might balance out the controversies that they've had a little bit, which I know mean, could be a good mix that way. So uh, trying to try, try to be even handed there. So, so I think the look, 
in terms of a play player, like I know he actually scored a try with his first try in Tip League. So obviously he's still got the skills for the NRL, and I think he's always been an NRL player no matter what venture he's done. So I think that that um, so it would be good him as a player back in the league, but I, I just don't know uh, about the rest of the stuff where he'd be a good fit. Look, if we're going to, if we're going to take players from the Super League, then we've got to take Blake Austin back, don't we? We've got to find a spot yes. in the NRL for Blake Austin. Um, look, I think he knows how to take zeros into heroes. So let's 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 move him to the Titans. You know, realign with his uh, former um, you know, f- former coach. I think wasn't wasn't he uh, off being coach? Uh, I think he also got uh, Wes Nagamas over there. Yeah. Um, you know, the NRL is probably short of fantastic hairdos, and I know that uh, Wes Nagama he caught a football in his hair the other day. So he wow. would be remarkable uh, back in the uh, back in the NRL. Um, you know, and uh, and look, you know, who else is there? You know, uh, who else is there that that, that can uh, that can come? Uh, come right, back? I'm going to suggest one name, Tish, that we've spoken about very recently. I think uh, I think I think this would be an absolute coup for the game, and would send us into the stratosphere in the American market. I'm talking about Tom Brady. Uh, Wow. I think I want to see Tom Brady give up his Tampa Bay Buccaneers. uh, Is that that where he's going? Tampa Bay, I think, uh, from from New England. Forget about them, mate. Uh, Pack your bags, get your visa sorted out and your wife and everything and bring bring your whole family to the sunny shores of the Parramatta Eels where uh, (laughs) we – where we need you to uh, to guide this team, he he's our uh, he is our savior. He will bring us to the forgotten land of uh, of victory, and uh, uh, none other than Tom Brady. I think I think needs to be in those eels colors uh, to to set us straight and uh, win it for us. Uh, he's got a winning attitude. He's a winner. He's a six time winner of of Super Bowl, so he knows what he's doing. Uh, he does. So there you go, but I think that's my that's my Hail Mary to use an NFL jargon, and my Hail Mary is that uh, Hail Mary pass is Tom Brady coming to Parramatta Eels. Do you have another one uh, to finish this one off? Well, well, I don't know if you can even go past Tom Brady out there. So uh, you know the other. I mean, is there any? Uh, is there any of the? Uh, what was the? Uh, you know, Eli Manning is it? Is he is he still around? No, uh, I, I don't know. I think he's Eli retired. Manning. But yeah, he's possibly. Okay. Oh, I think Tom Brady's yeah. the number one in the like in oh, terms no, yeah, of recognition. Mm. But yeah, I think I, uh, I definitely agree. I, I think Brady is is your man. Well, there you go. So we're gonna have the NRL with uh, Tom Brady, Messi, Ronaldo, and LeBron James. I mean, a star-studded lineup. Uh, like you've never seen, and uh, and just for good measure, let's throw in Tim Cahill. You know, let's just get an wow. Aussie, let's just get an Aussie representative in there. Why not bring him back from uh, from the Asian uh, the Asian clubs uh, and bring him in back to Australia? So look, yeah, here we are with our final tackle, Tish. Take it away. All right, so we know it's been a tough time 
I know we joke around a lot, everyone, but it has been a real tough time for uh, for some families and people out there uh, who are struggling through what's been happening. But one thing that we've seen from a lot of businesses, uh, and especially, look, even schools, uh, schools have been kind of pretty good in Australia anyway to transition kids to online learning and, and to give them things that they can do to pass the time uh, during the school holidays, which we've just launched into here in, in Australia in, or in, in New South Wales anyway. Um, but Tish, apparently the New South Wales Rugby League website has actually uh, gone gone a little bit further than just providing one or two things. Uh, what what are your uh, what do you understand that they've done to help the public with what they call an isolation pack? That's right. Well, yeah, the New South Wales Rugby League. Uh, you know, obviously all their competitions at the moment. I've got no start date because none of the NRL has announced a start date. So obviously to to engage with the community, they have a, a brilliant community section on their website that tells you know, where you can play games, tells about different sort of ways you can interact with uh, players and, and alike. Uh, but of course, they can't do anything at the moment because of the fact that, uh, you know, you can't even play junior rugby league at the moment. So what they've come up with is a New South Wales rugby league isolation pack. And so basically throughout this tough time, as we sort of are in isolation and, you know, kids are learning from home and so forth, um, you can actually participate in their free downloadable, um, you know, activities to do. We have a state of origin crossword at the moment. We have a, uh, a New South Wales Blues Sudoku. Uh, and we have some colouring pages as well as a find word. Um, and they're going to continually update this website to try and put more interactive uh, content on there. So if you want to actually uh, go to the New South Wales NSWRL.com.au, NSWRL.com.au, uh, check out their website, check out the competitions place or the community section, sorry, where you can find all those interactive games. And, uh, yeah, and it should be fun. And I think that I know that... Uh, that the Queensland Rugby League, they've actually got some interactive on their website as well, which is uh, they actually have um, the, uh, you know, the online game. Well, they've got the Rugby League uh, 4, I think it's the, the thing, which is, a, which is a video game that's on the Xbox and PlayStation and all those things. And you can actually, you're actually able to play that game um, with your super, or with your favourite styles on that. They've got a bit of a competition with that as well. So that's a pretty good way that they're trying to engage with the community as well. So look at these tough times. Rugby League still has to do some stuff to try and uh, reach out to fans. And I think, uh, yeah, giving away these uh, activity sheets and everything like that would be a great uh, it's a great way of doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, I, I applaud them for doing that because, I, like I said, you know, when this first started, that look, clubs and uh, – competitions and administrators they need to kind of pivot a little bit and 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 do things that people would i think what will happen when this is all over is people will remember things like this where uh where sporting organizations have gone that extra mile to uh you know to cater to the needs of the community um and to do things like this you know um simple things like you know here we've got some simple colouring in things. Parents, print a few of these off, get your kids colouring for a couple of hours. 
um, in a day, and and that helps as well with with the school holiday fun and all that kind of stuff. And and so that's uh, I think people will look back on things like this and say, hey, remember when they did that? That was pretty cool, you know. Um, and and that was helpful as opposed to, you know, at the moment, there, or you know, in normal circumstances, there's nothing like that. Uh, people wouldn't even think of going to the New South Wales Rugby League website to, to find colouring in or Sudoku puzzles and things like that. So so really mm-hmm. it's an opportunity for the league, rugby league organisations in general, to kind of double down and dig their heels into the community-type activities that, that are a bit left of field, things like this. You know, this is actually really a good thing. As, as much as it sounds like a bit of a novelty and a fun fun thing it actually means that they're listening to their customers to their to their to their members you know and and to their fans and that's that's only a good thing that's the only way i can see it is it's a good thing that they're at least listening to what people want um you know then then you've got the situation where the nro is doing like the opposite which is totally going against medical advice totally annoying (laughs) people and and that kind of undermines this kind of thing, doesn't it? Because people will forget about these cool things that are going on and, and instead look at what the NRL has decided and think, wow, there's, that's crazy bunch of administrators you got there who don't, really, uh, who don't really care about the welfare of the players or, you know, which is really the other kind of lesson that we've learned is that, you know, when you make decisions uh, as a sporting organisation, you've got to really be careful that people are going to interpret it in in a way that they that you may not anticipate, and and so that's the other thing is that while the NRL is thinking it's got to get back uh, to earning the money and and you know helping its broadcasters to earn their money so that they can be more viable going forward, or et cetera, et cetera, you know the consequence is that you then alienate people. So these little things, uh, you know, coloring in Sudoku, whatever, this is this is a start it's a start uh it's not all the way there but it's definitely a start and i'm really glad to see that and it's a good way to finish up our podcast tish it's a very positive note compared to what what we've had discussed earlier uh it is a good note so tish i'll I'll let you have the final word on that before we wrap this one up yeah well look what i do request is that the new south wales rugby league uh put up a uh a special jigsaw puzzle because jigsaw puzzles are definitely in vogue at the moment as well. There are lots of families doing it. So maybe have some state of origin jigsaw puzzles. Maybe have the the ultimate state of origin jigsaw puzzle, which is New South Wales Rugby League Series Victories 2005 to 2015. And they could have a missing piece because we were missing a piece for so long. And that missing piece is Robbie Barra. But enough said about that. <laughs> um, all right. So, look, uh, Doctor T, I think it's uh, I think it's good. At least at least rugby league is is trying to do something for the community. Um, look, we thought, you know, I think at the start of this show, we thought, did we even have six tackles in us? Was it even six pieces of news? But you know what? As we keep saying time and time again, rugby league doesn't stop giving out news, does it? There's always something happening in the world of rugby league, and. Uh, Remarkable, you know, it's kind of kind of makes you feel, even though we sound a little silly at the moment, if the NRL pull it off and May twenty eighth we do get back up and running, 
you know, we're going to kind of look like the most smartest people in the world, aren't we? So it is a big risk. Um, but, uh, you know, if, you know, it's the first sport to kind of announce that they're coming back. So that's, uh, you know, it could end up being a very, uh, proud moment for rugby league as well. So, uh, you know, maybe the criticism might be premature, but let's see what they could do. If they, you know, I'm sure they had, let's hope they've had more planning than what we've seen so far. But look, uh, Dr. T, uh, sorry, you had a, any final words before we wrap up the show? No, nah, look, I think uh, I think you're right. I think it's a good way to end the show on a positive note. Uh, as I said, I think it's a wait and see scenario. I think, uh, w- like I said earlier, either these guys at NRO head office are uh, the biggest dunces, or they will be. History might look at them as the absolute geniuses who uh, who took advantage of an opportunity to be the first out of the blocks. Uh, at the moment, it doesn't quite look that way. I think the public sentiment is against them, uh, but time will tell. Maybe, maybe by then, people will be absolutely itching for the football to return. By which case, they will have done the planning, and they would say, "Everyone, you're sick of isolation. We have a a cure for you. Not a real cure, but a, a rugby league cure." Uh, and so they may end up being geniuses, but only time will tell. But we will definitely track this over the next few months to see how sentiment has turned and uh whether whether it, the nightmare scenario of uh of an embarrassing return will, will eventuate or whether it will be a uh a fairy tale scenario who knows, who but knows yeah, over to you to wrap things up uh that, that's my final word oh, that's your final word well look thank you everyone for listening uh to the show i hope you have as much fun as we've had uh, bringing it to you. Uh, don't forget to check us out on, uh, you know, uh, on the iTunes podcast on Facebook. Uh, you can send us an email to rlrepublic.gmail.com um, but, uh, and check out our website, rlrepublic.com. But that's it for this episode of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. D. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now. Bye for now.